It's episode number five of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hey, lady friends. Welcome back to the Keto for Women show. Thanks so much for tuning in yet again. We are all the way up to episode number five already. Man, that has flown by. Loving every second of it. I must say you guys are making this entire experience of podcasting on my own really, really fun. And I can feel all of your support from all over the world. And it's been really great to feel that and to know that this podcast and this topic is just so needed in this keto space. So thanks so much for sharing your love, which we'll talk more about in a minute. We have an awesome episode today. I'm so excited to share this with you. Uh, You guys are going to absolutely love it. Before we get into what's going on today, let's just chat about a few things, shall we? The first thing that I want to share, a little personal story for you. I've been doing keto for about a year now, almost exactly a year, and I went to get my blood work done by my doctor, and they do a really full comprehensive panel. They'll do it pretty much whenever I want them to, which is really nice. Uh, It's a naturopathic doctor. I actually work really closely with him, uh, and we're actually colleagues at this point because he's sending me his patients to help them transition into a ketogenic diet now. So really cool. I've been working with him for a while trying to heal my mold illness. He was the person that really brought me back to life, quite frankly. And one of the tactics that I used as a nutritionist was the ketogenic diet, which he was familiar with but didn't know how it would go as far as what I needed to heal and and how it would work with SIRS. So I kind of took that on myself and he had really good success and then took that information to him and he just really jumped right on it and got really interested and has been recommending it to a lot of his other patients and sending them to me to do so, which is great. But anyway, I got off track. What I really wanted to tell you is what also has been happening in my world professionally is I've just completed a course, um, an additional certification beyond just uh, my nutritionist certification that allows me to do the functional lab testing, which I have mentioned in past episodes. But this specific course was just in blood chemistry. So basically, when you go to your doctor, which could be primary care, it could be functional medicine, naturopathic, any doctor is going to run this very long, pretty basic blood panel on you. And a lot of times, at least in the case for me, I would get that run. I mean, I've had probably 50 of them run in my entire life, and no one's really ever said anything about what any of it meant. I just took them at their word and uh, just thought I was normal. (laughs) However, I've now learned what each one of those means, those blood markers. And a lot of them, if you're looking at yours, are either words that don't mean anything to you or um, abbreviations something like that. And I now know what all of those mean. So I'm really excited about that. I know what they mean. And not only that, I have 
learned the functional reason behind why they may be off. And the functional lab range is much tighter and much smaller than the traditional lab range, which you may see on your panel that says, oh, everything's great, which mine always did. However, the, the functional lab range is much, much tighter. And you basically want to see that to rule out or to heal things that need to be uh, managed before they become even bigger issues. And then they are way outside of all lab ranges and you have a serious issue. So being able to um, find out those lab ranges and know what they mean and know how they all correlate with each other, it's just really fascinating information. And even to see how some of these markers can show if you have like food sensitivities or uh, a parasite or you're dehydrated or you um, aren't breaking down your protein or aren't eating enough protein. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating information, at least in my opinion, because I am just a total geek around any of this stuff, if you haven't noticed already. But Anyway, I was basically able to use my own lab work from my doctor as kind of like my studying for this exam that I just took. And I was going through all my lab work using the functional ranges, which I'd never done before on anything that I had done at the doctor. And I was very pleasantly surprised that there really wasn't anything to report, which I kind of briefly mention in this episode. Again, you'll see, but how cool is that not only to, you know, have this kind of bill of health be clear just based on my past, but also being a year into keto and, you know, we'll always probably have these people saying that a ketogenic diet isn't good for your health and it's dangerous and for women, they shouldn't do it and all of these things, which is why I'm here talking to you guys and having a whole podcast about it. But it always just kind of helps to see that information be debunked in your own body on paper, if that makes sense. So to be able to see those markers just be so great right where they need to be, see my body responding to the way uh, that my diet is and this new lifestyle I have in such a favorable way. And I think that's a case for a lot of people out there, but it's just really nice to see. And so I guess maybe this is a little bit of a public service announcement to maybe get that done and, you know, go to your doctor and see if they can run some blood work on you. Uh, Like I said, the functional ranges are much, much different, but just would be, it's always nice to get that confirmation of what you're doing and how you're living and how that's going for your body. Now, does it have to be that everything's perfect? I mean, no, of course not. There's always going to be things we're working on. Like for instance, there were the two markers that were outside of range for me were signs of a food sensitivity. So now my next step is to run a food sensitivity panel on myself, which it's in the mail right now. It will be happening. And that's also something that I do in my practice. But, uh, Of course, there's going to be things to work on. And if you're someone coming from a past of health issues and you're working on healing, there may still be things that are outside of range. So it's not like if you go and get it done, it's not good enough or you're not doing it right or anything like that. But you can also look for trends, things happening in the right direction, Um, your body responding favorably, even though it's still out of range, maybe it's closer to range. So that's really important too. But 
you know, if you've listened to the last four episodes and you'll be hearing this in the many more episodes to come, I'm such an advocate for people being really on top of their health, really knowing what's going on inside their bodies, not focusing so much on the external view of what's going on, but you also need to know what's going on inside there because that's going to be the key to figuring out how to make the external change. And we're going to talk a lot about that uh, next week, but I just wanted to put that out there because I had a really awesome personal experience and I do bring it up a little bit in this episode. Uh, So I just wanted to share that with you so you had the nitty gritty on that. Really, really exciting stuff. Uh, Okay, a few more things before we get to this awesome guest we have on the show. First, just a quick announcement about the Fat Burning Female Project, which is my six-week online group class for all of you ladies who want to get into ketosis effectively, safely, do it the right way for your body so that you can heal and be in this place of awesome health. It is currently closed. I had an overwhelmingly amazing response to this July class, and uh, it filled up really quickly. So I do have a, a limit as to how many people I can allow into one group just so that I can really keep the integrity of the course and be able to get to know each one of you and answer your questions and um, make you feel like you have the support that you want and need. So for that to happen, I need to cap the amount of ladies I can let into the class. That has happened for July, but I do have a class coming up in September. Just set those dates for that. We will be starting September 18th and enrollment will start September 6th. If you want to make sure that you are in that September class, you will need to get on the email notification list so that you will be notified as soon as those spots become available for September class. And if you want to do that, go to bit.ly slash fat burning female and sign up to get notified. I promise I won't overly spam you or anything like that. All I'm going to do is send you an email letting you know when the course is available to enroll. Okay. Hey, all you true crime fans. This is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphe. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. Can't wait for September. It's going to be great. And July is going to be great too. I'm super excited. We're going to have a great time. Uh, But don't worry if you missed out. There's still time. You only have a few more months. And then you can hang out with me for six weeks in September, right before the holidays, which is also a great time. More info on that coming up, but just be aware to get on that list if you want to be considered for the September class. reminder to use the keto for women hashtag i see some ladies using it it's really fun to see those posts i think it would be a really good way for us as ladies in the ketogenic diet also working on healing our bodies being on real food all that good stuff to see what other people are doing see what other women are having on their plates and how much food they're eating what they're struggling with what they're successful at just to kind of create a little bit of community so I've been using that keto for women hashtag. You can use it as well. Uh, It would be really, really fun. Next, 
also an Instagram related topic. If you ever are interested in what I am eating, so I do post quite a bit on my Instagram of my plates, but a lot of times if I'm whipping something up, just kind of creating a recipe on the fly, I don't really write down recipes. I don't really measure. I'm not really that kind of person, hence why I don't have a ton of recipes on my website. I have about maybe 100, but I do often record in my Instagram stories what I'm cooking up. So as I'm creating some sort of recipe, I'll do videos based on what I'm making and show you guys how to do it. It's most of the time incredibly easy, doesn't really require any sort of measuring. And so I think you guys might find that really helpful. If that's the case, head over to my Instagram stories, Sean Minor Health over there. Okay. I think what I'd like to do is start sharing what I'm going to be covering in upcoming episodes so that you guys know um, what to watch out for, what's going to be covered. If you have specific questions surrounding those topics, you can submit them to info at ketoforwomenshow.com. That's the email address. Um, Just so that you guys have a heads up of, of what we're chatting about in the next couple episodes. So Next week, I'll be answering your questions. There are several different topics. First of all, we're talking about uh, reasons why you might not be losing weight and or gaining weight in ketosis. So that's a really important topic. I probably get that question every single day. So we definitely need to cover that right about now. How to find your carb tolerance. I've talked about that several times, just kind of mentioning it here and there. And now I really want to go into the deep dive of how you actually do that. And if you want to do that even, so who should do it, who shouldn't do it, and then uh, how to test ketones, what to look for as far as um, the meter, which I've talked about, but we'll go into the detail of what level of ketones means what, and should you want more, should you want less, when to test, how to test, how to not be obsessed with testing, those kind of things, all very important. So that'll be next week answering your listener questions, which I absolutely love. And then the following week, we will be chatting with an expert on keto for the older women. Even if you're not someone that's in their 50 plus range, if you are a woman, you need to know how to age gracefully. You just do because otherwise uh, that 50 plus range will be very difficult for you. And so we want to talk about how we can use ketosis in menopause and in that menopausal range, but also leading up to that. So if you're anyone, if you're a female, basically, you should be listening to that episode so that you know what to do in the future and how that will affect uh, your aging process. So really excited for that. I've gotten so many requests for a menopausal episode. So we got to do that. I'm excited for that. I think that will cover it for now. We'll keep you posted on what's coming up beyond that. The only other thing I'm going to ask from you right now, and I know a lot of you are already doing this and I'm seeing it on social media and just in your stories and everything, getting the emails that I've been getting. I am so excited that you're already doing this, but I just want to encourage it even more to share this podcast because there are women that need this information. I think we can all agree that's why we're all here. Not only do they need this information for someone that's getting into ketosis or in keto and wants to do it right or anything like that, but maybe there are some women in your life who need to change their habits or their lifestyle now before their health gets any worse. Or maybe there's a friend that you want to help out that you don't know how to talk to, but nudging them to this podcast 
and having me talk to them might be the best way to go. So I just want to remind you to share the wealth, right? There's a ton of really good information. As you probably can already see, we're not only going to be talking about keto, but also just how to change your mindset around diets in general and your body in general and body image and self-love and acceptance and how all of that can really tie into overall health. So if you have any ladies in your life that might need to hear this message, please share it. I know a lot of you do that over on Instagram. Of course, tag me if you do, because then I can see it and get to know you guys. So I just wanted to put that out there. Okay, let's finally move on to this episode that I know you guys are dying to hear. I'm sure many of you already know Leanne Vogel of Healthful Pursuit. She is my really great friend. We are obviously in this space together doing the, the real food keto lifestyle and I've always loved her material. I've loved everything she's put out. And now we get to chat. And as you can see in our episode today and just our talk, we're just friends. We're just completely friends that have a really similar way of looking at keto and health and everything that we chat about here. So we're taking the time to just kind of talk and then go through your questions. So you're going to get answers to your questions from both Leanne and I, just kind of talking around it and giving you ideas. So it's a really fun episode. I had a great time with her on on the podcast. I've been on her podcast before, which some of you may have heard. And I think we'll both be doing this quite a bit more. So I hope to have her on again. It was really fun. But if you don't know who Leanne is, she is the founder of Healthful Pursuit. She has 11 different health programs. I'm sure most of you have been a part of some of her programs. They are absolutely wonderful. I also love her book, which she has an actual paperback book now called The Keto Diet. Huge fan of that. It is really, truly the best way to go to get all of your information you want about how to do keto. She hasn't really missed anything. And she just really encourages this fat-fueled living, which is a holistic, paleo-friendly approach to this ketogenic high-fat diet we're all doing. She's been in this field of nutrition since 2007 when she received her holistic nutrition certification, and she has the most amazing blog. You can find everything you ever wanted to know about keto over at healthfulpursuit.com. She has a podcast, the Keto Diet Podcast. She does these free videos on her website and on YouTube that are so informative, tons of recipes and just all kinds of resources. So head over to healthfulpursuit.com to learn more about Leanne. But here she is chatting with me today. Hi, Leanne. Thank you so much for being on the Keto for Women show and the very first guest of the Keto for Women show. I'm so honored, Sean. Thanks so much for having me. This is super fun. I think everyone's going to love it because we kind of come from the same background and the same philosophy on keto for women specifically. So this is going to be an amazing episode. I'm sure like 99.9% of the people listening already know exactly who you are. But for that 0.1%, why don't you tell us who are you, Leanne? (laughs) Well, oh, man, you know what? I've never had anyone ask me, who am I? I know. That's a a really deep question. Exactly. We can get really philosophical here. (laughs) I'm like, I'm a dog mom of three. (laughs) I haven't killed any of them yet. So we're good. No, we just got a puppy and it's been like crazy. Um, But yeah, I'm a trained um, 
nutrition educator. I went to CSNN back in 2010. Uh, no, that's a lie. I went in 2007. Oh my gosh, I'm so old. It feels like I'm old. Um, so I went to school in 2007 to learn nutrition. And at the time, I went off birth control. And that was kind of the beginning of my quest of of balancing out my body. I never got my period back. It, uh, months turned into years, which turned into to, to a total of eight years. At the six-year mark, I was like, maybe I should do something about this. Because um, previous to that, I kind of thought it was awesome to not get a period. And it was really uh, nice because I could wear, you know, white pants whenever I wanted. I could go swimming <laughs> and all those things. Um, but then I realized it was actually a problem. It was starting to affect my health, uh, my bone density. My doctor was really concerned about it. And all my hormones it looked like it had just gone offline. And so that's when I found the ketogenic diet. After being on hormone replacement therapy, I had gained a ton of weight and I was frustrated and a naturopath recommended I try low carb. Um, and that's where I found keto. And after trying to figure out how keto worked in my body, at first I did the whole, you know, 20 grams of carbs or less and fasting and calorie restriction. And I started losing my hair. I couldn't sleep. My hormones got worse there for a period. And then I kind of took a step back and realized that I could merge my holistic nutrition stuff with keto stuff to make an eating style that actually worked for my body. And after I followed that for exactly nine months, I got my period back and I remember like not really knowing what to do. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this has been eight years. Like what do I do here? Uh, and now it's been um, two years of September that I've been ovulating and menstru like all these awesome things that are happening to my body. And I started Healthful Pursuit back in 2010 to really just share my love of nutrition. And it's turned into so much more of a responsibility of sharing my story and my experience so that I can maybe perhaps educate other people on how they can listen to their bodies too and adjust their eating style to work best for their body. Because if what you're doing isn't working, then clearly you need to change it and you owe yourself to try something. And I think there's a huge problem right now in society where we're told that we can only trust other people to tell us about their our bodies. when It's totally backwards. We should be listening to ourselves. And so that's where Healthful Pursuit came from. And I have a bunch of books and online programs about keto and I just uh, released a couple of months ago my first paperback the keto diet so that's I guess who I am professionally but definitely not who I am in day-to-day -day <laughs> life I guess I won't even stories. go there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, okay so within that story my favorite part is this point where you're doing keto really hardcore just really doing it perfectly and things aren't going so well. And then you decided to make some changes that really then sparked your actual healing. So what were those changes? And like, if someone's in this really keto harder spot now, which I think there's a lot of, what, what do they need to look at to change? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if it's working and you're feeling fabulous, don't change a thing because you're totally crushing it, girl. Mm -hmm. uh, but if, if things aren't like if you're actually honest with yourself, like stop thinking about what everyone tells you what to do. And, you know, I had a little checklist in my head of, you know, fasting until noon, at least noon every day and finishing at eight o'clock and, you know, not having snacks. And I had this little checklist that I went through on like the perfect keto diet. So if you're going through that checklist and you're like, yeah, I'm winning, that's how I know I'm doing this right. And I'm feeling great, but you're actually not feeling great. Some things you might want to do and some things that I did was that I started eating more carbohydrates. And that's not to say um, pounding the cherry turnovers, which I did that and it totally didn't feel good. So <laughs> 
I mean, you can really random, but like that's a random thing to pick. (laughs) (laughs) Cherry turnover. Well, the whole like, yeah. So there's this thing called carb backloading, and at the time when I was doing keto, I got really into carb backloading and the concept of it. So when I gave myself permission, the the author of carb backloading talks about eating cherry turnovers all the time. So I went to a gluten free bakery and bought all the cherry turnovers, um, and it just wasn't a good situation. (laughs) Okay, yeah, that would be good. You know, it's not. Um, and so the the carb piece is using carbohydrate timing properly for your body. So as a woman, your hormones and your body is different than a male's. Their hormone cycle runs on 24 hours. So every day is like Groundhog Day for them. They wake up, the hormones do the exact same thing that they did yesterday and the day before and the day before that. But for women, our hormones run on a 28, maybe 30 or 33 or depending depending on your hormone day cycle. Um, And so every day is a little bit different than the last day. And so when it comes to our macronutrients, our fat, our protein, our carbohydrates, we need to adjust for where we are in that cycle. And what I determined is that by eating too low carbohydrate rather for too long, it was actually um, causing harm to my health. So what I did is I started incorporating a thing that I like to call carb ups. You may have also heard of it as cyclical ketosis or cyclical ketogenic practice. And really it's just increasing either carbohydrates or protein. You can do it that way too. Um, in the evening, a couple times a week to reset your hormones. And what happens is such a cool thing. Um, is that when you eat these carbohydrates at night, Usually I know that I need a carbohydrate when I wake up in the morning and I'm like hungry and I go days of, you know, eating keto and I'm hungry in the morning and I'm hungry in the morning. When you eat the carbohydrates at night, it resets a thing called leptin and you're actually able to fast longer the next day. And that's how I know when I'm due for a carb up, if I wake up in the morning, I'm like, all I want is food. I'm so hungry. Then that night I do a carb up and then the next morning I can fast longer. And so carbohydrates, it was really about um, embracing uh, a love of carbohydrates and seeing them as being a useful tool to allow me to stay in ketosis and also feel like I'm living a normal life. And the second one was that I stopped intermittent fasting completely because my relationship with intermittent fasting was not healthy. I mean, I would punish myself and like force myself to fast as penance for something I had done the day before, or, um, I would play this like sick game with myself to like delay myself from getting home, Mm -hmm. knowing that if I got home past eight o'clock, I couldn't make myself dinner. So therefore I couldn't eat. Therefore I would lose more weight. Like it was just really at the time I was just thinking I was doing everything right with all the keto rules, but it was actually looking back really disordered. And the third one was eating enough. So if you're pairing, really low carbohydrate with intermittent fasting and you're reducing your calories to say 1200. Oh my gosh. The, the hit that your hormonal system is taking overall is just incredible. Or I should say endocrine system overall. Um, so I made sure that I was eating enough. If I was hungry at nine o'clock in the morning, I would eat. If I was hungry at 10 o'clock at night, I would eat. So, I mean, it it sounds so simple, but for anyone that's lived a disordered um, experience with food, just eating is, is, is really hard to do. So those were the three eating enough carbs, stop fasting and eating enough food overall um, were the three things that helped me get my period back. And I'm so thankful I woke up to the fact that it wasn't working. Yeah. And so all of those things are just 
totally speaking my language. First of all, um, as the listeners know, this is really the first time in my life, and I'm 36 years old, in my adult life that I haven't been on some sort of diet. Like I do not consider the keto diet a diet. It's just a way of life. It's super freeing. I eat when I want to eat. I don't eat when I don't want to eat. I eat carbs when I feel like I my body needs carbs. And it sounds like you kind of started doing that too, um, which is so important. But I think that there's a lot of people still considering the keto diet a diet, uh, specifically women. And that's really where we can start getting in trouble. And one of the things about that diet is that carbs are seen as quote unquote bad. So how did you get over that? And how did you realize that you could incorporate carbs and that you could still be in ketosis. So you kind of get the best of both worlds at that point. How do we determine that for ourselves? Yeah. So I'm more of the thought of when I'm, when I know I'm stuck somewhere, I do research and I figure out, you know, are other people doing this? What are the results of that? Um, how has that been? Um, and I, I really do that for everything. I'd never really jump into anything without researching it. And so when it came time to, you know, I had been low carbohydrate, like strictly low carbohydrate for a solid six months. Um, and even the thought of increasing my carbs scared the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. I was terrified. I just went to basic facts and kind of looked at, okay, of the carbs that I know that are quote unquote healthy, what sort of nutrients are in there and what what kind of nutrients can I get from those carbs that perhaps I'm not getting in the largest quantity in my high fat diet. So for example, um, a really good example is kale and spinach. I actually counted my kale and spinach. I would put it on the scale and I think like, I think it was a, a cup and a half. I don't even remember like a cup and a half of spinach and maybe a handful of kale was all I could have for the whole day oh, wow. for my carbohydrate allotment. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> yeah, I can sure I can add a bunch of fat to that kale and spinach, which will help with the nutrient uptake, but I might not be getting enough nutrients specifically from that kale and spinach because I'm only having like three handfuls in a day. Right. So I came at it from that with nutrients. And then there was also that thing of, you know, if you, I don't know if you ever watched Oprah, but like she always said, eat your carbs before like 4 p.m. and stop eating at six. Mm -hmm. um, that way you won't gain weight. Well, carbohydrates don't like magically add to your waistline after six o'clock. <laughs> it's not like this immediate thing of like, Oh, six o'clock. Yep. We're going to just make all these carbs into fat and it's going to add to your weight waistline. It really depends on how you set up your diet and your eating style. So I think it's really, um, outlining the fear. So if the fear is, you know, eating carbohydrates period, it's coming up with ways that you can kind of work around that fear, um, and see, are other people doing it? Yeah. Sean's doing it. Leanne's doing it. Cool. Are they alive? Yep. Do they look good? <laughs> Most of the time, if I do my hair, well, I, I haven't showered okay. yet today. So <laughs> <laughs> me neither. So we might not smell fantastic. But, but okay. we look great. <laughs> um, and also it comes down to the feeling, right? Like, I think intuitively, we all know when we've misstepped something, you know, like, mm -hmm. I think I always knew when I was on the quote unquote wrong path, but I let everyone else define what I should be doing. And I think it just comes down to what your fears are around carbs. Is it because they'll add to your waistline? Okay, well, you know that if you have, you know, if you have carbs in the morning, for sure, you're not going to feel so great. But if you have carbs at night, you're going to go through those blood sugar highs and lows. You'll be sleeping. It'll be all good. And in fact, your body burns 
carbohydrates when you sleep than it does protein or fat. It actually increases about four hours after you fall asleep um, till about an hour before you wake up during that state. Um, you'll actually burn more carbohydrates than you do when you're awake. So, so mind blown on that. Mm -hmm. When I found that uh, study, I was like, that's going in the book. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just a matter of, of looking at your fears, coming up with solutions for that, and then just doing it. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Literally, you're talking about a sweet potato. Exactly. And if, it, if you like, don't feel good simple. after that sweet potato, then it's okay. Then don't eat the sweet potato again or try something else. Yeah. But you it's don't do it again. You can really listen to your body and find out that information. Like I feel better when I'm at just eating kale and spinach versus I feel better when I'm having all the veggies as my carbs and maybe a sweet potato here and there. So you can determine that yourself. And yeah. the cool thing is most people are still going to remain in a ketogenic state most of the time, even if that is their lifestyle, correct? Yes. So the big piece here is that once you're fat adapted and your body has built up the enzymatic processes to be able to burn fat as fuel and it remembers, oh yeah, there's this fat stuff and we can use that. Um, the way the body burns uh, sources is that it'll do alcohol first and then carbs um, and then fat. So if you have any carbs or alcohol in your body, you're going to burn through that. But because you have the enzymatic processes in place to burn fat, it will burn down the carbs, go right back to fat. So for example, I had a carb up last night. Um, maybe it was like, I don't know, 70 grams of carbs at dinner. Um, and I did it because I knew that today was like all interviews and it was going to be back to back and I wouldn't have time to eat. And I wanted to be able to fast all day. And that allows me to fast. So I have my carbohydrates at night. Um, in the morning, I wake up like ready to party because I had the right carbs for my body. Um, I really like white potatoes. I don't know. It doesn't affect me at all. So I had those and I, it's now one o'clock local. I'm still rocking it. I have introduced till five and then I'll have dinner. And I, I wouldn't be able to do that without carb ups. And, um, right now I bet you if I tested my ketones are just the way that they were yesterday before I did the carb up. Mm -hmm. Yep. Totally agree. So they don't have to be this like demon to the ketogenic community, especially mm -hmm. for women, because oftentimes some carbohydrates here and there really will help, like you said, help your entire endocrine system. So I think that's really important. Okay. So let's move on yeah. to another part of your story, which uh, you didn't mention, but I know happened. And so I want to talk about it. So you mm -hmm. had to gain some weight, correct? In order to get really healthy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was some weight. I sure did. <laughs> right. Which is hard for a lot yeah, of women was. to accept. And it's also, I think, um, a fear thing. And then there's people that just constantly feel like they need to be losing weight, which I was in that boat for a really, really long time. I know you were too with your past. So how did that all happen and change? And how did you become okay with that? Yeah, I think being in the quote unquote spotlight and sharing health information online, there's a huge fear that if you gain weight, I mean, I have a YouTube channel, people can clearly see that my face was more like Skeletor looking and now it's a little bit plumper and people do comment and it's really scary when you're when your livelihood depends on how you look. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the worst place to be in. Um, and even if your work, if you're concerned about that, or maybe you're concerned that, you know, your husband won't love you if you're heavier or whatever. So for me, um, I would say that I've, pro I think oh, all in all, maybe I had to gain 40 pounds. Um, and 40, like, it's funny, all the clothes that I wore before fit just the same, really. Mm -hmm. It's the weirdest thing. 
Um, it's just when I was on hormone replacement therapy, the weight that I gained when I was unhealthy and had a lot of inflammation was like, I had these pockets on my thighs and a ton of fat, um, under my underarms, like, um, underneath my biceps. And they were just like these pocket, like it literally looked like a pocket of fat. Um, and now it's just an overall, uh, weight gain. And, you know, if I think back to the body that I had, you know, before I had an eating disorder and all these things happen. And I look at the way my body is now pretty much looks the same. Mm -hmm. And I can eat a lot one day and not eat a lot the next day and then maybe eat a little bit the next day. And maybe I'm more more hungry one day or I want to do more exercise. It all kind of evens out. And I've maintained the same weight for the last year and it hasn't changed. I haven't had to work hard to maintain it. Um, and yeah, I'm a size, I mean, even when I was, when I was 11, I was a size 12, like, (laughs) and I ate healthy. I was a healthy kid. I was a dancer. Um, I mean, that's just my body type. If you look at my family, we're all kind of the same looking. And I think you also need to be realistic to your body type. And a big part of my journey was having to gain weight in order to get my hormones back. And that meant more to me than being able to, I thought that I wouldn't have any confidence on the beach and, you know, in a bathing suit and people would judge me. In fact, I feel like because I'm more confident now and because I feel like I'm living in a healthier body, I have more confidence because of that. Um, and I think it's something that is so freeing. And I think the ketogenic diet really allowed me to do that because I think a lot clearer now than I did before when I was so charged with sugar and emotions and having to eat all the time. Now it's a lot more steady and I can make choices. And I don't know if I've ever like sat down and calculated out, here's the weight I was before I started. Well, let's just do it right now. Before (laughs) I started keto, I was probably 150 And then when I got to my lowest point in keto, I was 115. Wow. And that happened very quickly in six months. I lost that weight and it was like, boom. But at 115 pounds, I had the six pack abs. My thighs didn't touch. Um, I remember taking a picture of myself and being like, oh my gosh, so hot right now. (laughs) But I hadn't slept in five days. And that picture, I hadn't slept in five days. My hair was falling out in big chunks. My relationship with my husband was in the dumps because all I could talk about and think about was food and calories and fasting. We were in Mexico. I refused to go downstairs to eat with him. Um, it just was disordered. And now I don't even know. I don't even weigh myself. I would say that I'm probably like 150 ish. Maybe I don't even know. Um, but it just, it feels so much differently on my body. And I just, I really like the way that I look right now. I wouldn't change it at all. And my blood markers show it. Like even looking at my, my blood tests from this time last year, uh, my prolactin was crazy last year. It was so high. My thyroid couldn't be regulated. Um, and this was just at the beginning when I really started to be serious about my weight and just like letting it be. And now it's like, you look at my blood work and it's like, this is the perfect specimen of a human being. (laughs) Like Mm. there's nothing I would change. And that, I really have to attribute that to not caring as much about my weight and just letting my body just be, it wants to be healthy. It just like, let it be. (laughs) Well, yeah. So when you decided, okay, I'm going to choose health over weight because I really want to get my period. I really want my, uh, hormones to be regulated. So you choose that, but then you said something so awesome there, which is like, 
you being healthy and you knowing that your body is healthy is giving you more confidence than any sort of physically how your body could look would ever do. Like that is so interesting because I actually feel the same way. And it was a very recent change that happened in my life too, where that shift happened and it's like, okay, all I want to do is be healthy at this point because not being healthy really sucks. (laughs) And so I really wanted to make that change. So I shifted my focus and, and, went through the whole gamut of having really terrible blood markers. And then I actually just got my blood markers back um, from last week's panel. And I like, there's nothing to report. And I'm like, oh my God, (gasps) my body is so (laughs) helpful. Like my body is happy. My body is finally really happy. So at that point, it's like, oh my God, I feel really good about myself. I don't really care that I have an extra maybe I don't know, 10, 15, 20 pounds, whatever it may be, than what I think I should be. My body is loving this right now. Right? Yeah. Like, and what, what really is extra? Matters. Really? Like, exactly. Oh, the extra weight. Like what? Yeah, like, oh, who's to say that that's the whole extra. extra weight? Yeah. It's like my. Yeah, exactly. My thought process my entire life was, and honestly, even when I was down to my lowest rate weight, I still was like, oh, I have a little extra. Like I always thought that because mm-hmm. that's what society has always told me is that I kind of always have extra, right? So now yes. no matter what weight I'm at, I, I always had that envision. And then once I just lift that, I'm like, well, this is just me. There is no extra. It's just me. Then it's like, oh, mm-hmm. so now my body's super happy. Uh, I don't have to go to the doctor all the time anymore and try to get this figured out. I'm just, I'm just there. And that really does promote confidence, I think. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. And when you're 90 years old, are you going to look back on your life and be like, I had the hottest body and like I had, you know, (laughs) I could wear a size two bikini and my six pack abs were awesome. No, when you're 90, you're thinking about all the things you accomplished and all the places you saw and the people you met and the children you had and the family you raised and all of these pieces that were so important to you. And I think that dieting and the constant quest to make yourself better affects your ability to at 90, look back and see awesome things. Like I think the longer we diet, the less life we have to experience. And I'm just, I was sick and tired of conforming to this life of, you know, caring about what I ate in exchange for having a life that I'd always dreamt of. Like I just Mm -hmm. TL, which means too lazy. This is my sister's thing. She says TL, TL. It's totally TL. I love it. Just no time. Clearly she's a lot younger than me and I just try to sound cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's this TL thing. Don't you know? (laughs) Don't Uh, you know? That's what um, the cool kids are saying. Right, right. Yeah, I, such a great conversation and so true. And and especially when you think of how short our life actually is, if you're spending all this time so focused on your body, you're really missing out on all the amazing things that you could be having and going on in your life, which as soon as you release that, they all come flooding in too. It's like, oh, I have this amazing, like really happy, fun life that I kind of forgot about during that time that I was caring too much about food and caring too much about my body. Yes. So much more out there. Amen. One more thing I want to talk about, and then we're going to get into some listener questions, which these gals are going to be so happy we're answering for them. But I want to talk about something that you posted. I think it was just this past week, which you you posted an empty bowl of popcorn on your Instagram feed (laughs) and talked about how you just basically ate the whole bowl of popcorn and maybe kind of overdid, quote unquote, um, your carb up or whatever. So I want to talk about that and how you just don't really have to think twice about it necessarily. 
Yeah. So I knew exactly what I was doing when I prepared the popcorn. I wasn't hungry and I knew that and I checked in with myself. I'm like, are you hungry? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> are you emotional eating? Yep, I totally am. Um, my husband and I are going through a mega change in our lives by basically downsizing massively and moving into an RV. And it's been, I'm not very good with change, although I am a change junkie and I like to always like better my life and see what's out there and experience new things. Uh, I emotionally eat. And I go toward food when I'm feeling uncomfortable, know how to express myself. And so I wanted popcorn and I knew that I didn't really need the popcorn. Um, I was full. I had had dinner, but I was watching a movie and all I wanted was that feeling, you know, when you're like watching a movie and eating popcorn and you're all snuggled in a blanket and I had a perfect movie running and I just I wanted the popcorn. So I just made a conscious choice to make the popcorn and I made it taste good with coconut oil and salt and a little bit of nutritional yeast I mean, I just sat there and enjoyed the popcorn. I didn't think throughout the whole process like, oh, this is going to make me fat or I shouldn't be eating this and I'll just fast more tomorrow and why do I always do this to myself? I'm such a failure. No, I was thinking like this popcorn is so good. You know, life has been really hard right now. How can I, you know, involve more uh, things in my life that are going to make me feel better? And I could have done that instead of eating the popcorn. I could have, you know, had a bath or gone for a walk, but I didn't want to do those things. I wanted the popcorn. And so then it was just about enjoying the process of eating the popcorn. Because what often happens is if we know we're emotionally eating or we're in that space where it's like, screw it, I'm just going to eat the stuff, we almost check out because we're so guilty about the um, action that we don't want to fess up to what we're actually doing. So we check out, we pretend we didn't eat the popcorn and then we punish ourselves for eating the popcorn. But because we didn't actually eat the popcorn, like we didn't feel the popcorn, we didn't taste the saltiness. And, you know, I added a ton of oil, so it was really tasty. And, you know, you don't feel those feelings. Well, then tomorrow you're just going to want to binge more because you didn't actually feel the food, you know? Mm -hmm. So... I finished the bowl and I was incredibly stuffed and I thought, okay, well, I probably could deal with this better tomorrow. And, you know, these are the ways that I'm going to, um, approach this whole moving situation a little bit better and how I'm going to go about this. And so that maybe I won't emotionally eat as much, but it's just checking in with yourself and then being conscious and present to the food that you're eating because mm -hmm. if you're eating it you are eating it regardless if you're there or not and so it's just like enjoy it because it's there and it doesn't make you a bad person it doesn't make you less than it doesn't make you a failure or any of the things you might tell yourself like it's just popcorn really yeah. like and that took me a really long time of like oh no it's grains it's gonna give me inflammation and all these things of like health reasons why we're not doing stuff and I think at the end of the day it's just some corn that was grown on a field that we say it's bad but I mean it's just a bowl of popcorn I think like heroin is worse so <laughs> just, like, just a little bit worse just, just a little bit just worse the next know? step up <laughs> right but we I mean we think of this as like just as bad as it's, crack it's or insane. something you know yeah, it's insane it's but it's popcorn. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, we need to just accept as ladies and, you know, men do it too. But since this is a keto for women show, as ladies, it's not really um, reality to say that we're never going to have an emotional eating scenario. Like that's going to happen. It's just because we're emotional and we're women. And there are certain things that sound really good when we're having these moments in our lives. And that's okay. It's just 
changing your perspective on it and don't think these negative thoughts while you're doing it. Um, just embrace it and enjoy every single bit of it. And then you're fine. And then like you said, yeah. you won't want to do it the next day. No, cause you did it. Moving on. You did it. I haven't it's had over. popcorn it's since. Yeah. It yeah. Satisfied like, that craving. But had I like before, oh my gosh, it would have turned into popcorn and then I would have gone to like Seven Eleven to grab five cent candies. And then like, it just would have turned into this huge binge of binginess that mm-hmm. probably would have lasted two or three days. Right. Exactly. So, so I loved that story. Oh. I thought that was great. And I'm glad that you posted it just so that people know that Leanne Vogel does this too. It's fine. Yeah. I'm a human. Totally. So are you. We do this stuff. And if Absolutely. anyone you're following, that's a big thing for me is like, if I'm following someone on social media and they like seem all perfect and happy and all the time and I'm like, nah, I don't no, know. No, nope, don't believe it. <laughs> you're a cyborg. I don't know. <laughs> my, I have my, um, I wouldn't say it's an emotional thing, but one of my vices, there's this uh, bakery here in Boulder that has paleo granola that they make there. So to not have to make your own granola first is like this awesome thing, but it is so phenomenally good that sometimes I just am like, that sounds really fun. I'm just going to go get some paleo granola and I'm going to eat it and really enjoy it. I put some heavy coconut cream on it, so I'm getting my fat still and it's great. And I... Every single bite, I am savoring beyond belief. Like I am taking so long to eat that stuff because it's so good and I want to fully enjoy that and appreciate it. So, and I have zero regrets after that. I'm like, yeah, that was an amazing experience. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you make it a special experience. Like it's an experience that you have with yourself. And a lot of people will say like food shouldn't be an emotional thing. Well, we live in a world where food is tied to emotion. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's totally okay. And yeah, sometimes, you know, I'll go get a facial and then walk to Starbucks and get a drink that maybe has some sugar in it. And I'll walk over and get my toes done and I'll just make a day of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it does include things that aren't keto, but maybe this happens once every couple of months. And it's just a special thing that I do for myself and I enjoy every bit of it. And I really don't see anything wrong with that. So important to point that out because I think some people would beat themselves up over that and it's just not worth it. We shouldn't beat ourselves up about anything. Uh, okay. Want to do some questions, some listener questions? Yeah. Okay. This is going to be fun. Uh, This one first sounds a lot like your story from the beginning. So maybe we can help Rochelle out here. She says, my question is about hair loss. I have been eating keto for about three to four months now, which has helped heal and resolve multiple health issues like GERD, abnormal heart rhythm, as well as losing 30 pounds. I feel great, way better than before with energy and mental clarity, but I've noticed in the couple of weeks I've been losing an alarming amount of hair. I have dry hair that is below my shoulders in length, so I typically only wash it two times per week. For being on keto, should I wash it more or less often, or is this hair loss hormonally related? What can I do different to help my hair? She says, if it's helpful info, I'm 42, I weigh 205, I'm not under any extra stress. My macros are typically 20 to 25 grams of total carbs, 75 to 80 grams of protein, 150 grams of fat. I don't usually get up to that on fat though, but I do get the carbs and protein. She intermittent fasts 16 to 20 hours most days, but not every day. So she normally eats two meals, sometimes three on the weekends so she can eat with her family. So she has a lot of info here that we could probably help her out. I have a feeling. Uh, What do you think? Why do you think she's losing hair all of a sudden? 
Okay, so many thoughts. But mm-hmm. first, did she say anything about being in menopause or anything? She's 42. So it doesn't sound like it. She didn't say okay. anything about her cycles at all. Okay. Uh, The only reason I ask is that keto is a little bit different for women that have gone through menopause Mm because I almost treat them like almost like men because their hormone cycle is just different. So Mm -hmm. that's why I asked. Um, Okay. A couple of thoughts. First is that your hair loss could be because of your ketogenic diet, but don't worry. It doesn't mean you don't have to eat keto. A couple of things is that maybe you're not eating enough. So calorie restriction um, could be a real thing for you. And that's why it's causing even recent weight loss, even though like you've lost weight and maybe in your head, you think that you need quote unquote to lose more. Sometimes when there's that shift in our weight, it can cause, you know, inconsistencies in our body. And it could be that it's just going to take your, your time to catch up. Another thing is, while I don't necessarily, Um, it's not that I don't agree. It's that I haven't seen it. A lot of people will say when you start eating keto, your hair will fall out just because of some reason, I'm not sure. Um, and then give it a couple months and it'll grow back even thicker. So Mm. I had no patience for that Mm because my hair was like falling out in chunks and I'm like, I'm going to look like Captain Luke Picard in probably (laughs) a month. So this can't keep up. So, so if you're like that, something immediately, we need to change it like immediately. (laughs) Cause yeah, no. Um, maybe even demanding exercise. So if you just changed your routine, it could be caused by that. Uh, Nutrient deficiencies. So because you're only eating 20 to 25 grams of total carbs, it's not necessarily perhaps that it's the carb situation. It totally could be. It totally could be because you're not eating enough carbs. It also could be that you're not getting enough nutrients that come from carbs. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Mm You know, you could look at maybe getting a really, 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 really good multivitamin and taking a bunch of supplements, or you could just maybe, I don't know, eat more kale and it would probably do the trick. You mentioned psychological stress. Um, a lot of people say that they're not stressed, but they actually are. All the um, time. That's it's an- so crazy yeah. how that works. It's Why not. So I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. I always know when I'm stressed and it's all the time because I'm a human <laughs> and I run a business. I'm always stressed. Uh, so it could even be the stress of, you know, your kid graduating. Maybe that brings up a lot of stuff of like, what do I do now? They're going to be leaving the house. What purpose do I have? Um, and it's not really a stress like, you know, you just got fired from your job, but it's a stress of constantly on your mind. Um, and it could also be because you have an underlying imbalance that you should maybe just you know, it's not to scare you or anything. It could just be that, you know, the nutrient deficiencies, or maybe you had an inactive or a a low acting uh, thyroid that you need to get tested for just to kind of see what's up. So those are sort of some of my plans. Um, In the meantime, before you kind of figure out what's what, uh, some of the things that I use for the best hair I've ever had is collagen made mega like two scoops of collagen a day mm-hmm. keeps the hair growing at about two inches a week like it's just yeah it's my hair true, goes though. So yeah it's, it's insane. true and b vitamins those are kind of the two things that i use to kind of help and then what worked for me is just eating more carbs and then my hair loss stopped yeah i mean 20 to 25 grams of total carb is pretty total. low I mean, if you're, if you're someone that's eating vegetables, which I think we're going to have that question coming up, but veggies are going to definitely calculate up to way more of that in total carb, you know, if you're including fiber and stuff and we want you eating veggies. So it could be something as simple as that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, on the flip side, like bio individuality for a second, I've met people that have gone, uh, 
all meat and fat keto for like five years and they're crushing life. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, they haven't had vegetables in five (laughs) years. And I'm like, I can't even understand you. But if you're not responding well, what's the worst thing that can happen for a month? Increase your carbohydrates to 50 grams Mm -hmm. or even 40 or 35 or just some sort of increase and see what happens. And if your hair loss stops, win, (laughs) then you know it was that. Um, that. Yeah. Yeah. the other thing she like she mentioned she's fasting 16 to 20 hours most days maybe mm-hmm. it's too soon for that yeah maybe or maybe yeah, it just totally. shouldn't happen at all because that's quite a bit and to um get this much food which i did the calculation while you were chatting and it's about 1700 calories that she's doing and she's not always getting that much fat so she could be getting like 1500 calories which like you mentioned, she might just need to eat more food total to really help yeah. that out so that her body's not stressing out and, and wondering if it's like a famine or something. So she may need to do that. And that might require taking away some of those intermittent fasting hours in order to eat enough food. Yeah, completely. And also enough fat. I mean, if you're kind of like in this space, I mean, how many times have we met with people where it's like, I'm eating a ketogenic diet and you're like, how fat are you eating? They're like 70 grams. Yeah like nope not no try again (laughs) so it could be that you know your macros are a little bit off and I rarely say that like count your macros and please don't just set the intention of like increasing your fat maybe increasing the amount of carbs you're eating in the form of greens uh, and kind of see how you feel but you should notice like I noticed pretty quickly like after a month of changing things around my hair stopped falling out and mm-hmm. now I have thick amazing hair again like it's not like it never grew back or anything so don't worry you won't look like Captain Luke Picard it's okay that won't happen we'll stop that before it happens yeah it's gonna and take it's more track. than a week <laughs> uh, okay why don't we move on to that veggie topic so Dana asked I know keto is low carb. I know veggies are carbs and I know veggies have tons of nutrients. So how do I balance loving veggies and staying low carb? Go for low carb veggies. <laughs> ah, well, look at that answer. Revolutionary. <laughs> and drop the mic. No, I think we, I think we really, really like to overcomplicate things. Yeah, like, I agree. You know, I'm thinking of the, like the vegetables I have in my fridge right now, like zucchini and um, broccoli and, you know, bell peppers and cabbage and cucumber and kale and spinach and other greens. And what else do I have in there? Celery. And, you know, sometimes I do incorporate a little bit higher carb items like carrots once in a while, like one carrot. I mean, carrots are small unless you get them from Costco. Um, is fine. And I mean, it also depends on where you're coming from. If you're mega insulin resistant, then you're probably going to have a different path. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to prioritize things. I think oftentimes we try to do too many things at once. So if your focus is healing your body through a nutrient dense diet, your ketogenic diet is going to look different than somebody that has insulin resistance. And their doctor says, if you don't fix this, like you're going to have diabetes tomorrow. So their ketogenic diet is going to look very different because their purpose is to lower their insulin, manage the blood sugar, um, switch up things that they're eating. Whereas you might just be like nutrient dense keto. So you can probably get away with eating more carbohydrates. So if that's the case, just go for more of those low, low carbohydrate vegetables. If you can do nightshades like eggplant and tomatoes are really good. Um, 
What else? Did I miss any? I mean, there's I a keep whole list of super low carb soy. veggies, you know? Yeah. It kind of goes back to that thing of us thinking that carbs are the devil when we're starting with keto or trying to be ketogenic. And carbs in the form of vegetables, I personally, as someone who is a nutritionist, and I know you agree, Leanne, that we want you to get a nutrient-dense diet, and that's the most important thing to healing your body. And so you're going to get those from veggies. And you can have a whole plate of veggies. You can put lots of fat on them, with both, which both Leanne and I do very nicely. You can check out our Instagrams for uh, how we do that. And you're probably going to get the benefits of ketosis and the benefits of those nutrient-dense veggies at the same time. Um, and like Leanne said, you know, we are very focused on the health aspect of this type of uh, eating, but there are people that would potentially be kicked out of ketosis if they had a tomato. Uh, and those, you have to kind of gauge that for yourself, mm-hmm. you know, gauge those veggies that work for you, but you definitely can have platefuls of veggies. Cause I do in every single meal. Yeah, me too. I, I don't even know what it would be like if I didn't, the I mean, I do, bad. my hair was falling out and I was miserable. So that would just I don't be want really to go back sad. there. And I mean, I really think of veggies as the perfect vehicle to get more fat into your diet. Oh, completely. Like all of the fat. I just, I mean, yeah. How zucchini else would you rounds or like scoopage of all of yes. the guacamole in my mouth. Yes. And I'm all about the cucumbers now that it's summer. Cucumbers, scoops, anything mm. on a cucumber and it's delicious. That's what yeah. I think. Yeah. Or make little sandwiches with them. I mean, it's super cute. Love it. Okay, so you can have your veggies again. Don't worry. Uh, Gina wants to know how we make sure that we're not eating too much protein. And I know that you have kind of like a protein up option. So tell us about that. Okay, so I think when it comes to protein and the whole gluconeogenesis thing, like there's a lot of fear mongering about it of like, bye, you ate 10 extra grams of protein and now it's in glucose and you're out of ketosis. Um, the only time I experienced massive gluconeogenesis, which is where your body creates glucose out of protein is when I ate like 120 gram protein meal. And then I got kicked out of ketosis because I ate it all in one go. That's a lot Um, of protein. And what, that was one meal. Yeah. I I was doing an experiment. I just wanted to see what would happen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just curious, but a um, lot of meat. I know it was a bunch of like lean burger patties. I made like a five patty sandwich thing. It was really good. It was like the meat was bread. It was just really good. Um, but it kicked me out of ketosis, but whoop de doo the next day I was back in and Mm -hmm. it was fine. But, um, how I, I think there's a fine line between too much protein and not enough protein. And I think because there's a lot of fear mongering, specifically in the ketogenic community about protein, a lot of us decide, well, if keto, you know, works really well with moderate protein, then I'll do low protein and it'll work even better, you know, and that's that whole all or nothing mentality. So how I make sure that I, I mean, I just kind of go toward the fattier cuts of meat And because I only eat twice a day, sometimes even once a day, I really can't overdo it. Mm. Like, I just, I've never really overdone it. Maybe I'll get up to maybe 90 grams. I mean, that would be really pushing it. That would be mega pushing it. I mean, I add two scoops of collagen in my coffee if I'm not um, fasting. And then I'll have some sort of high fat meat, like ultra fatty ground beef, um, 
maybe a third of a pound of that. And then for dinner, I'll have some other sort of high fat meat. So if you're focusing more on the fat with your protein and the fattier cuts of protein, um, I don't think you can really overdo it. I guess if you are doing more of a breakfast, lunch, dinner with snacks in between thing for keto, then you'll probably overdo your protein. But I think it'd be really, really, really hard to overdo your protein. I see more often than not people underdoing their protein. Um, and this can be signs uh, that contribute to like, if you can know that you are protein deficient, rather, if maybe you're stressed out a lot, or you have metabolic issues, or you metabolic issues um, become prevalent when you start eating keto, um, maybe your sleep really sucks, or you're always hungry. So if you're having these sort of symptoms, what you could do is what I, you know, Sean mentioned, um, a protein up. So that's just like, Instead of doing the carb ups, which is what we talked about, where you're eating a little bit of carbs at night and swapping out the fat for some carbs, you're doing the same thing. You're swapping out the fat, but for protein. Um, so what that would look like is instead of having a fattier cut of meat, you're having like a chicken breast with, I don't know, some sauteed kale or a salad. And then you have that and you have more protein. Um, and that can also reset some things if you're having enough protein and give you that variety and also make it not so strict and horrible feeling. What do you think? I think I totally agree with you that I see more people not eating enough than eating too much. So I don't think we need to worry about it as much as we are. Again, maybe overthinking it a little bit. And really the one thing that I have noticed, and this is for myself and my clients as well, is you kind of get sick of eating protein well before it's too much. Like you, it just doesn't mm-hmm. taste good anymore. Like for instance, your massive amount of turkey burgers, like that probably eventually got unpalatable to a degree, you know, where normally you would have stopped. Right. You know, it's really interesting you say that because I made a chicken salad sandwich thing yesterday and it had, um, thighs and breasts together. And I got about halfway through and I got like super nauseous Mm -hmm. and that rarely happens to me. And I just like put it down and I was like, Nope, I need to eat cucumbers. And I just, I couldn't even smell the chicken. And I just, I couldn't eat it. And it's interesting because that day I put like four scoops of collagen in my coffee that morning because oh, I was like, huh? yeah, interesting. Yep. See, cool. You, See, the body, body knows. Just know. get out of the way. It's just, just like, hey, I'm way. done with protein. I don't want any more. Stop feeding yeah. me. It's like, but I was still hungry. I just wanted cucumbers. Exactly. Which is weird. Perfect. Yeah. So I think I we're might be something else that we're putting a little too much emphasis on when really we can just listen to our bodies. And really, that's kind of the answer for pretty much every question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally is. Eat low carb veggies, listen to your body and done. No, no. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Done. <laughs> perfect keto diet right there. <laughs> yes. Perfect. <laughs> um, well, that was super fun. I wish we could just do this all day long, but. Oh my gosh. We're, we're done. We're done. It's been an hour. What's happening? I know. Oh. It's like what happens when we talk and we're just chatting and all of a sudden everyone else is listening to us and we have all these questions. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, so good. Awesome. That um, was fun. Yeah, it was really fun. We'll, we'll definitely do it again. Hopefully you'll come back and we can answer more of these ladies' questions because I'm sure there will be more. I love answering questions. Me too. It's my favorite. So, okay, tell <laughs> everyone about your book a little bit. Give us the lowdown because I have it and it's amazing. It literally is the Keto Bible, everything you ever needed to know. And um, what do you think about it? Are you, are you happy with it? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, it was a labor of love. And if you don't feel the blood, sweat, and tears that went into this book, you probably don't have a heart. No, I'm just kidding. You can um, feel the blood, sweat, and tears just before you even, oh, just like the heaviness of the book. It's like one person wrote this thing. Yeah, I don't even, I must have blacked out because like, I don't even remember writing most of this. I know. Um, the process was amazing. It definitely pushed my boundaries. It was probably one of the hardest things as I've ever done other than overcoming an eating disorder. That's like right up there uh number two spot and I'm, I'm the reason I wanted to write the keto diet was because I felt like there was a a lot of misinformation around keto from a practical perspective and I think oftentimes we get so caught up like we've been talking about on the show of all the science and the research and what people are telling us and um you know my first program the keto uh the keto beginning um, I talk about the first 30 days and how to get adapted and do all these things and educate yourself so that you can listen to your body and in fat fueled my other programs specifically for women. I talk a lot about, you know, how to heal your body with this and how to look at it at nutrient density. But what I felt was lacking was, you know, the dairy free, um, more balanced way of looking at keto if what you're interested in is just to benefit your body and you don't have any huge health imbalances or um, diseases to deal with uh, if you just wanted to do this for uh, long-term health and wellness there was nothing really out there on how to make it practical for your everyday because you have to assume that most people that try the ketogenic diet are doing it alone and it can take some time for the rest of their family to get on board so that's really where the keto diet came in and um, it really talks about more of the practical application to making it work for you on a daily basis knowing full well that you're probably doing this by yourself so a lot of the conversation is like we're just in this together and we're girlfriends and we're just trying to figure this out um and that's, I'm really happy that we were able to keep that more of conversational tone. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm really happy. There's lots of little pictures and it's, it's more than I could have ever thought that it would be the meal plans. Don't ever ask me to do another meal plan in a book ever again. <laughs> not happening. It won't happen. Like just will not happen. And it's so funny. Watch five years from now, I'll, I'll have a meal plan in some book and no. Yeah. But, I'm going to remember yeah, this conversation. Was, I don't know. What happened. <laughs> um, yeah. It's amazing. If uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit biased, but if you're looking for more of a practical approach to your ketogenic diet and um, you need recipes as well as a couple of meal plans to show you how to use said recipes from book, um, it can be really helpful because I know that with a lot of the meal plans and books, they tell you to make a roast on Monday and then make a whole turkey on Tuesday. And then you're like, what do I do with 27 leftovers? <laughs> Um, so this was assuming that you're by yourself trying to figure this out before your husband gets on board or your significant other or whomever, your children, whatever, um, roommates, um, that you could do this on your own, feel supported, um, get to understand your body a little bit more, um, and really bridge the gap between my other two programs. So they kind of complement each other and I've tried not to duplicate any of the content so people don't get mad when they buy one and then they're like, it's exactly like the other one. So <laughs> I just, I guess I have a lot to say. You have a lot to say and it all, it really honestly is the most practical information. It really makes it very doable, very easy to follow, very real life, which is super important when you're trying out something as different and yeah. as new for most people as keto. Yeah, totally. So yeah, it's called the keto diet. You can pick it up basically anywhere at all Yay. the places where you can buy a book. And I'm going back on tour August 28th to a bunch of different places. So if you're like, she sounds pretty cool, I guess maybe I should <laughs> go meet her. You can go to ketodietbook.com forward slash tour. 
I'm going to a bunch of places. I'll, I don't even know where. Lots of awesome places. New York is on there. LA is on there. Denver. I'll be there. Denver's on there. You can meet us <laughs> both if you come to Denver. Uh, oh my gosh. The best thing. So yeah, that's, that's what I'll be up to for a while. <laughs> Sounds lovely. And you have a podcast and you have an Instagram account that's amazing. You have a lot of other stuff going on. You have a website and that's all Healthful Pursuit, right? And then the yeah. Keto Diet Podcast. You got it. Healthful Pursuit everywhere. Leanne Vogel with a V and yeah, the Keto Diet Podcast. Love it. Thank you so much. This is super fun. Thanks for, thank you. This is great. Love our little conversations. They're the best. Me too. Hey lady, do you want to make sure that you are doing the ketogenic diet the right way for you? Do you want to make sure you're getting all of those amazing benefits that come with producing ketones and not putting any extra stress on your body? Then head to my website and check out the Fat Burning Female Project. We have a new class starting soon and I'd love to have you be a part of it. Head to bit.ly slash fatburningfemale. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash fatburningfemale. And make sure to sign up to get a notification of when the next class will be. Can't wait to see you there.